Hi, my name is Kim Garno, and I'm a Reiki master practitioner and owner of Kiem Healing. Reiki comes from two words, Rei, meaning God's wisdom, and Ki, meaning life force energy. By unblocking poor circulation flow, your body's energy can flow as it should. Reiki provides healing energy in a natural, holistic way through light massage. Reiki relieves anxiety and stress, fosters a better night's sleep, relaxes sore muscles, balances the body's energy, and adapts to your individual needs. Reiki is recognized by major hospitals throughout the United States for promoting healing. Call for an appointment at 401-769-0438. We are located at 86 Bellingham Street in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. Blessings to you and good health. Call Kim at Kim Healing for your consultation or appointment at 769-0438. Scott McGee of REMAX Properties brings his years of real estate experience to you, whether buying or selling. Check out this property currently on the market from the McGee team. New listing. It's commercial listing on uh, Cumberland Hill Road in Woonsocket, 815 to be exact. And this is a very unique property. It was built in 1980, fully rented, all long-term tenants. And um, it, there's a hair salon in the front of the building, an apartment above and a warehouse with a loading dock in the rear. It's a very nice property, currently rented to three different parties, solid building. The owner is retiring, and as an investment property at four ninety nine nine, you might want to consider it. And Scott McGee has the listing. Uh, it's central heating, too, uh, in the building. And uh, there's a lot of space, uh, 6,454 square feet. Scott McGee has got to talk to 639-2906 and be more than happy to uh, show you this property on Cumberland Hill Road. Commercial property. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. We're chatting with the uh, superintendent of schools, Dr. Patrick McGee, and the chairman of the school committee, Paul Borget. They're in studio, and we are uh, looking at uh, issues concerning the Socket School Department. Since it is a talk show, we welcome calls and comments and, and emails uh, come in uh, on the comment level. And let's see what uh, our first caller has. Do you have a question for uh, the two visitors to the station today? Yes, but first a statement. I'm, I'm glad to hear how honest they are about the COVID-19 problem. It's okay. really good to hear that. Your, your question okay. or statement? Yes. I, I'm wondering, are you going to teach our kids how to invest in the stock market, how to use municipal funds as a hedge against market instability, mm-hmm. um, how to start businesses, how to actually show them that capitalism is better than socialism, and the great history of our country and if you're not going to teach them that and it's easier than algebra it's not like it's hard to teach them that then why should we send our schools to you why shouldn't we as one fox news lady who showed up on fox News said why shouldn't we not have a mass exodus of the public school system if you're not going to teach our kids how to be good capitalists and good americans all right we'll see what the guys have to say first of all uh, do we do anything like that in our school system? Do we teach uh, economics, uh, capitalism? Uh, I guess we'll begin with the superintendent. So I think that, you know, twofold. I think you're, you know, you're looking at, um, you know, in terms of capitalism, you know, when our students are exposed to, to history, 
our history courses, they're certainly exposed to all forms of, of government, um, whether it's capitalism or, you know, socialism or, um, you know, they're, they're our, our, our teachers are teaching the curriculum and, and, and that, you know, those those terms, those those um, those those economic philosophies are are found within the curriculum. I mean, that we've we've been you know, we've been been teaching that for forever um, with respect to, you know, um, the, the, the financial question, you know, the, the stock market and, and, and things like that. We do have um, embedded in our um, our math classes, you know, a financial literacy component where we are teaching students. Um, you know how to handle money. That we're teaching students um, how to, you know, as 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 they get older, um, and are you know are whether they're living on their own or you know when they when they have a job and they have to take care of themselves or a family. We are teaching them. We're providing them with the skills necessary so that they can, um, you know, utilize those those financial literacy skills so that they can they can have a successful life. I think one of the, uh, uh, I'd say, one of the projects that occurs in each in uh, some of our classrooms is that every student or a team of students has a company. They form a uh, just a, a dummy company, and they take it from the ground up, and they have to invest the assets that they have. Uh, they have to operate the company, um, and they they they. They're taught exactly what needs to be done, <laughs> quote, in the real world uh, in handling uh, business. So there are elements of capitalism that are taught first the history and then the, the applications of, of those principles are taught whether it's in our math, science, or business classes. Heads up to our listeners. Questions are still coming up on the program in case you're wondering. Yes, uh, we will be talking about attendance. We will be talking about the behavior of parents at uh, school committee meetings. And we will be talking about the use of federal funds um, that have been uh, dropped not only on the city but on the school department and where they might be going. So um, I've given you guys a chance to talk about um, your biggest uh, issues. So uh, Let's go on to the other questions here. Of course. Uh, the attendance uh, issue um, has been uh, covered in the newspapers uh, or the media, and uh, I think that um, I would like to um, maybe get a, a better profile on our attendance issues, um, whether they're severe or whether they're like any other urban school district. We're not uh, North Smithfield, but we are like Pawtucket and Providence. I, but I think when it comes to attendance, I th as a matter of fact, if we compare Providence and Woonsocket, I get, it's a walk of the park again. Right? <laughs> Go ahead, Mr. Superintendent. So if you look at our attendance historically, what we found is that our attendance is much better at the elementary level. Um, our elementary schools in the district, again, historically, our, our attendance is, is, is north of 90%. Um, as you progress to the middle school and to the high school, the attendance starts to to lower. So at the high, at the at the middle schools, you know, and, and, and another thing is is typically every year in the in, in September, the early months, our attendance is much higher, and then as the year progresses, the attendance. Um, you know, goes the, those those percentages uh, decrease, but at the at the middle school level, um, where we're typically in the in the high 80s, 
uh, low 90s. And when we get, <clears throat> excuse me, to the high school, um, that's where that's where we it starts to taper out a little bit, and it and it it, it typically is in the the upper to mid um, 80s at the high school. But but again. If you if you're comparing the beginning of the year to the end of the year, at each of the three levels, we're going to see a, a decline of of a few percentage points. But um, this year, I, I would say we, we there are there are a few challenges that that we're facing uh, around attendance, and it's it's the the number of students that are you know are that are testing positive and and to. Um, as of, I want to say, October 1st, we've had about 106 positive cases uh, across the district with students. So when we have a positive case, as I stated earlier, you have to do the contact tracing, which means if there are students that were a close contact, those students have to quarantine for a period of, uh, of seven days. So that plays into our attendance as well, because now we have students that are, that are not in school um, that are at home still accessing the curriculum. The teachers um, provide their, um, their curriculum to the students that are at home through the Google Classroom platform that we've been using for, for a handful of years now. What we're in the process of doing now with RIDE um, is we are looking to, after the fact, so, so students that have been absent up to now, we're, we're going back into the um, the attendance uh, platform that we submit to ride and we're recoding students so that they're so initially they would have been coded as absent uh, ride has changed the the way they want districts to code sort of midstream and we're going to be going back into that so hopefully the especially at the high school the the attendance rate was was just a little bit above 70 percent um, and that really is, in, is due in large part to the number of students at the high school that have had to quarantine so far this year. So we're, right, we're working, um, Al Natariani, our chief operating officer, and uh, the data department, they're, they're going back and they're recoding those students who would have been quarantined um, and not just absent for you know, reasons other than um, having to quarantine. Mr. Chair, how do you feel about that answer? Or do you have anything to add to it? He's Dr. McGee's right on target. I mean, um, for Rye to uh, designate a, certain, uh, a student who has to stay home because he was contact traced, not sick, but required to stay home and call that person, that student absent, is, is insane. I think that's ridiculous. Um, I think the re that's why I was saying that I think the, uh, the principles and protocols that Rye has been using as well as RIDO are antiquated. They're not meeting uh, the, the current situation. Uh, it's not like a year ago where the fear factor was paramount. Here we have, you have the actual results. You know, you get contact traced, you stay home, you, you, you may get a COVID test, you'll get a COVID test and you find you're negative, but you still have to stay home for the seven days. So to me, <coughs> that has to be revised. Uh, to me, if you're, gonna, if, you're, if you're getting a phone call to get contact traced, then you can go and have a COVID test, a quick test, and pr bring that to school. To me, you should be allowed to go back in. Um, it doesn't make any sense to keep somebody home seven days and you, you're not sick at all. But because you're in contact, you have to stay home, and we've been marking you absent, even though you're getting all the materials 
uh, to complete the assignments. The superintendent and the chairman of the school committee are in the studio. Um, so, according to the attorney general of the United States, uh, we may have some parents attending Winsocket School Committee meetings that are terrorists. Now, I'm going to ask you, do we have any, uh, I'm going to begin with you, Mr. Borgia, do we have any parent terrorists attending the school committee meetings? I know there's been some lively debate, but, you know, from a layman's point of view, uh, uh, they're entitled to be there and state their opinion. Where, how do you feel about it? We have an item on our agenda called public comment, and we welcome all the public uh, to come in and to just give us their opinion on things, make comments, uh, make suggestions. No, I don't think we've ever had uh, parent terrorists uh, at all. What we do have, just to make sure that the meetings stay nice and calm, our S one of our uh, SROs, resource officers, attends the meetings as we would like uh, them to do. So if things get a little heated, uh, he'll be there to calm it down. But no, I don't, I don't agree with the Attorney General. I don't care whoever wrote that missive to the Attorney General. Let's say that we've got terrorists and their parents because they're coming to the school committee and, you know, showing banners and placards and, and, and being angry. I expect that. Uh, I would rather hear it there than in the, where they stay silent and cause more problems. So we welcome all parents to come and talk to us. I figured that was your answer, Mr. McGee. I would agree with Chairman Bourget. Um, you know, you you read and you and you see on the news these, you know, these horrible incidents in in other communities across the country. You know, where people are 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 have crossed the line in in some instances. But I've got to say, here in Woonsocket, you know, our parents and our residents and, and the community at large, they've been very respectful, albeit. You know, they um, they express their opinions, and, and that's what, as Chairman Bourget said, that's what Good and Welfare is there for. It's there for our families and, and our community members to, if, if they choose to um, come to the school committee meeting and, and speak their mind, that's an opportunity for us to hear what they have to say. Um, you know, certainly, as, as Chairman Bourget would attest to, um, you know, we receive emails, we receive <laughs> phone calls frequently from, from the community, which is a good thing. Um, but it's also another opportunity for them to come in person and express their, their concerns and, or, or things that they're happy about. Um, and, and I think it's, it's, it's good. It, it's, it's good for our community. It's good for the school committee. And it's good for me as a superintendent. So, I, you know, I, I have a sense of, of, of where our, our, our families are coming from. And, and it, it, you know, it allows me to, to do a better job at, at what I do. You know, we, like Dr. McGee said, we do get phone calls, texts, emails, um, people banging on my door. Uh, people stopping me uh, along my day, whether I'm at the supermarket or walking in the park. Uh, I have. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> Good, Raj. Yeah. Uh, so that's fine. And when a, a parent raises a question or has a concern, immediately I'll call Dr. McGee and we'll direct. And he will or I will direct that person to the right person to uh, call and, and get more information. And if a meeting is needed, meeting is, is, is held. Uh, we're here to help uh, our community. We're here to help our parents and our students any way we can. So we try to answer their questions and calm their fears uh, and direct them to the proper person to get their concerns taken care of or their questions answered. To our older listeners, having a police officer in a school building was uh, like 
Why would that be? And then came the school resource offices. They're in schools all across the United States. So now uh, there are some school districts that are saying, let's bring in a social worker instead of a school resource police officer. Here in Woonsocket, we still have them. Maybe you can explain to me how you feel about that and uh, what role they play and who pays for them. We will always have resource officers. Um, I do. We have social workers to work with our children and sometimes our parents uh, in terms of social issues. But in terms of res- having that resource officer who is trained uh, as a policeman, uh, who, can, who is going to go into the problem, or he's not going to dodge the problem, uh, will face it. Sometimes a fight may break out or there is a concern about an unwanted visitor. I don't want a social worker to talk him down or to find out how he's doing or she's doing. I want an, a resource officer, a policeman, who's going to act as a policeman. Um, frankly, it uh, calms a lot of fears. Uh, it gives you a sense of security. And let me, let's say another way. The resource officers are really trained to work with people. And they're really good with our kids. And a lot of our students really talk to these resource officers almost as mentors. And they treat them like that. And they get a whole different sense of what a policeman is and, and how they function. But we've got a good rapport with all our resource officers. And I wouldn't trade them for anybody. Of course, this question comes from the incident last last week at the middle school, uh, where um, a resource officer was uh, uh, of assistance. Uh, but a little more uh, on the question: uh, Who pays for them, and how many do we have uh, operating in the system? We've got four. We do. We, we have. have four, and we're we're paying for them basically at this we point. Are. Yes. So they're on they're on our tab, and frankly, it's good money spent. Okay, thank you. We have a question from a listener, so let's press the. The button here and see uh, what you would like to uh, ask of our uh, distinguished guest today. Good morning, Roger. Good morning, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Good, morning. Mr. Good morning. Mr. Paul Bouget, I can't tell you how great I think you are. I mean, you are amazing. You oh. really have your finger on everything that's going on in that system. And that's thanks to Dr. McGee, by the way. Well, I, and I was just going to say, and that is only going to happen if you have a superintendent that is willing to be open and to listen. And, you know, the schools are not the schools of yesterday. That's for sure. The people are not the same people. And it's only as good as the parents that are going to value ed- education and instill that in their children. You can take your books out. You can do this. You can do that. And some of the things that um, you will do, you put in place just to make it easier for kids who really don't like to go to school. I've, I've done that myself in classrooms. But, boy, I'll tell you, I listen to you. And, Mr. Bouget, you always have the answers of what's going on. And as far as parents going to meetings, parents should be able to go to meetings. You know, as far as I'm concerned, people that care should be able to to question what's going on. It's one of the biggest expenses in any city or town. So good luck. I hope you have a wonderful year and um, keep up the good work. Thank you, Cole. Thank you so much. Thank you. This is the Upfront Program on WNRI. We're talking to the superintendent. We're talking to the school committee chair. All right. Now we're going to move on to uh, another question, and that is uh, the, the money that uh, is coming into um, the school system. And um, last night, the Woonsocket City Council 
had a workshop session with the mayor to talk about how the city is going to spend uh, that kind of uh, money. So the question will be um, to either one of you, how much money did come in to the uh, school department? And what is the procedure? How do you actually sit down and decide uh, how to spend this money using, of course, those federal guidelines? So I can start there. So, no, no, so we've had, uh, most recently we received um, ESSER two funds from the government. And we, we received about $12 million. The process that we followed in spending that money is um, we, the, the, the school department, um, the central office, the administrators um, throughout the district, basically there, there were guidelines that we had to follow. And those guidelines were primarily around um, learning loss and, and trying to provide opportunities for students to close those learning gaps that COVID has caused. So we used uh, a good amount of, of that money on our summer programming for this past summer um, and then the next two summers coming up because we felt as though, um, you know, in, in, a, in a normal year, you have that what we call that, that learning loss or the learning slide uh, over the summer because students are out of school for, you know, 10 weeks and they're not exposed to the academics that they would normally be exposed to during the school year. So we partnered with uh, a lot of the community, really practically all of the community-based organizations here in the city, um, you know, CCA, CCF, the Boys and Girls Club, the YMCA, the YWCA, River's Edge, uh, NeighborWorks, and I might be missing a few. I apologize if I've if I've omitted a few. We got a lot of them in here. We have a lot <laughs> of them. I could go on and on. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, Thundermist, but so so we partnered with them this summer to provide really a, a, a what we call a, a wraparound service for our students. And when I say wraparound service, what I mean by that is we of course provide the academic supports for them through the district, but the wraparound supports are those, you know, the, those, those social-emotional type right. opportunities for our kids because we know that that was so critical uh, after, you know, after, the, um, after last year's, you know, COVID experience. So much of the money was, was placed there. We've also added this year um, in, in some of our classrooms a, a second teacher, if you will. So at the elementary level in grades one and two, we have what, what's called a co-teaching model. So you have, you know, 20, 25 students in a classroom, but the students that were, at mo were most at risk based on our data from last year, we put those students in classrooms where there are two teachers. Uh, we've also added um, other types of behavioral interventionists across the district. We've added some social workers. So that primarily is where we spent the money uh, last year. Now, moving forward, ESSER three. We don't know exactly how much we're going to get. We've been told the estimation is around $20 million. That process is going to look a little different than the process that we just came out of with ESSER 2. So with ESSER 3, we've received sort of the, the guidelines of, of how we should spend that money. But in this instance, because it's the, the funding is, is higher, we're actually going to be reaching out to the community to share the ideas that we have, get their feedback and their input uh, around how we should spend that money. But I can tell you that we're, we're primarily going to spend that money the same way we spent the ESSER 2 funds. We're just going to increase more, <coughs> excuse me, more opportunities for our students 
academically and socially, emotionally. So if you wanted to change the windows at Citizens, uh, you, can you use any of this um, ESSA money? This is, uh, could you, uh, that's education, what SSA, what does that stand for? Um, yeah. Oh, did yeah. I got it? You, I got elementary, think, think elementary, el- secondary. Yeah, it, right. yeah. It's, it, it's, it's, it's about it's, education. It's, right? an acro- it's, it's an acronym that okay. basically means we're going to get these federal right. dollars. So uh, it's the education. school department equivalent to American Rescue Funds. Yes, it, it is. It, that's exactly what, what it is. What I did right. learn from your answer, though, is um, that uh, it's being spent in uh, three ways. Uh, you call it learning loss in education circles. We call it um, uh, we call it uh, uh, instruction uh, for kids who uh, lost mm-hmm. during uh, COVID. And then the second teacher is the second teacher. Another body in the classroom who is a uh, certified teacher is better than not having uh, one right. teacher. Exactly. And then um, I guess the social workers. Uh, Number three. And so the new money could really be spent in a very similar way. Absolutely. We've been provided, like I said, with, with sort of a, of, of a guideline as to how. And the, the good thing is that in reviewing what the Department of Education sent us around sort of the lanes that we can use to spend the money are really the, the exact lanes that we spent ESSER 2 on. So, you know, it's just a matter of... of increasing what we've already established through the ESSER 2 funds into ESSER 3. And in case the um, general public thinks that this ESSER money or federal fund money is going to solve all the problems of the Woonsocket School Department or any other school department, $12 million in um, this uh, round of funding, what's the total budget of the school department just to run the place? It's a hell of a lot more than $12 million. It's um, it's more like 80 plus. Yeah, so therefore, uh, this is not going to solve your... uh, uh, your problems overnight, but I, back yes. I want I wanted to address what you, the question you had. Yeah. Uh, what do we do with citizens' windows? And we have some schools where we're, we're thinking of we need some replacements. We have set, we're working on our five-year capital plan right now, um, and that allows us uh, to get reimbursed for qualified projects such as windows. Uh, or other major repairs to, to buildings. So instead of using ESSER money, which, which is a one-time deal, ESSER 3, once you spend it, it's gone. Uh, we want to keep within the guidelines of providing better instruction while looking at the capital projects, put them into our five-year plan, let RIDE approve them, and now we're going to get uh, a, a good chunk back in terms of, of reimbursement. That's the way to, to handle our capital projects. So we're going to we're going to get a lot more bang for the dollar, as as it were. So as Roger understands it, infrastructure projects, why use if if you could use why use a hundred percent of federal funds when we can use. Um, uh, money and get, I, I think, 83% or well, something. Not, yeah. 88 to 95. Right, 88 to 95 back from the state. So the local expenditure is really uh, minus. So we're, we're continuing to do infrastructure with local funds, but the local funds are about 8% of the total cost of the project. That's yeah. correct. See how, how I comprehend things? We'll Impressive. Be back. Yeah. I noticed you took your shoes off, Project yeah. Account.
A Roofmaster with 35 years experience. Avoid disaster and hire the master. Roofmaster provides customers with high quality roofing services. Putting a roof over your head is the most important thing your home needs. Storm and wind damages are a real threat to your roof. Most importantly, your insurance company can help you. The Roofmaster will inspect your roof at no cost to you. Inspections are free and we are fully insured. Then that includes residential and commercial properties. Contact the Roofmaster team today and we will get you started. We are GAF certified. So call the Roofmaster at 401-400-7008. That's 401-400-7008. Remember, it's Roofmaster. You won't be disappointed. I guarantee it. The go-to place for authentic Italian dining is Savini's Pomodoro Italian Kitchen and Bar. Over 20 Italian dishes made to order from our menu or experience our Sicilian-style pizza. Build your own while you choose from your veggies, meats and cheeses, and of course our traditional family-style chicken dinner is offered every day. Savini's Pomodoro on Rathbun Street with affordable accommodations for weddings, birthdays, anniversaries, and business meetings. Close Mondays open Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 4, Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays at noon. For reservations, call 762-5114. That's 762-5114. Savini's Pomodoro Italian Kitchen and Bar, 476 Rathbun Street, Woonsocket. And Savini's. Hi, this is Gina Savini, inviting you to join us at our family-owned businesses, Savini's or Ciro's, perfect for any event. Thank you, Gina. So sorry. Uh, but um, I do want to mention a couple of things. Yes, uh, as the advertisement said, uh, we're open at 4 this afternoon. And we do have um, a couple of new uh, things going on at Savini's Pomodoro. The older bar that uh, you would walk into uh, uh, on the left-hand side when you're walking in uh, that entrance has been remodeled with uh, some new uh, widescreen uh, TVs just in time for uh, the Red Sox to uh, go on to the World Series, maybe. Anyway, um, they have them, and uh, that bar has been renovated. And the salad bar is back. You know, you do salad bar a little bit dis- different than before, but um, it's there. And a lot of people have missed the salad bar, and finally we found a way to uh, do it uh, from a health department point of view, and it's going to work out. The salad bar and the new bar... It's called the Horseshoe Bar at Savini's Pomodoro, now open, but not until 4 o'clock. Kayer Kosher, your accounting, financial planning, tax preparation, and business consulting services of Woonsocket and Warwick. 600 Cass Avenue, Woonsocket, Jefferson Boulevard, and Warwick. Call us locally at 766-8100. Remember, outside of the tax season, we do planning for business, individuals, and families. We're Kayer Kosher. We're certified public accountants. Again, our local number is 766-8100. And remember, having Kayer Kosher to consult with on your personal financial situation is like having all the right answers. This has been WNRI's Upfront. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. Hey, the panel is uh, the superintendent of schools, Dr. Patrick McGee, and also uh, the chairman of the school committee, uh, Mr. Uh, Paul Bourget, and we're talking about Woonsocket School Department stuff. Now, um, we've covered a few of the uh, r- real uh, issues out there, um, but uh, we do want to uh, go to the lighter side of, uh, I guess, it is, you know, uh, it's not always serious uh, at the school department in terms of, of um, attendance issues or resource offices, but there are things that happen to the school department or within the school department that are worthy of note. 
And um, and uh, we're on the happier side. We'll begin with the superintendent on um, what he would call uh, future things happening. Sure. Um, thanks, Roger. So on Saturday, October 30th, from 11 to 2, we have uh, a community COVID vaccination clinic that is going to be coordinated by representatives from the governor's office as well as the department of health and the department of education so you know we're hoping that uh, folks out in the community that have not uh, been vaccinated will take the opportunity to uh, to come to the uh, middle school campus on the 30th which is a saturday uh, from 11 to 2 and um, you know we'll hopefully we're, we're going to see a lot of people there to uh, to get their vaccinations you don't need an appointment you do not need an appointment, mm-hmm. no. So the paperwork is done as you uh, present yourself, That's right? correct. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Do you have something you want to say, Mr. Uh, Chairman? I, um, I would like to underline Dr. McGee's words. I think it's time, and the governor said that it's time to get the shots. Uh, we keep seeing that the biggest deterrent to really opening up everything in our school district or even in our cities is the lack of vaccination rates. Uh, the vaccination rate here in Woonsocket is slightly above 50. And I can't believe there's 49.4% of people who have uh, either relig- a religious problem or some kind of medical problem. We have a lot of people out there that should inc- that could and should get vaccinated. If, if that helps them deter the impact of this disease, why not take advantage of that? Um, we have a lot of folks who are 12 years old and... And, and older that should take advantage of these clinics and get vaccinated. So I encourage everyone to do so. Uh, it certainly would it certainly would not cause a problem to our city. I think it would only improve the health, the overall health of our city. The uh, new, new statistics uh, came out. And, and uh, where you, are we? <laughs> right, we're, we're number two. Tiverton number one at 49 point something, and then we're, we're just at 50.6. Like, yeah, so it's not a very good uh, thing. No. Mr. Bourget, uh, not telling tales out of school, but would you say that uh, between March of 2020 and October of 2021, your personal thinking on covert and vaccinations and the whole way that this whole thing has been handled has um, swung from one direction to another is, that, ha- a, well, is that fair to say or yeah it sure has um i still you know and dr mcgee and i speak every single day i think sometimes i speak more to him than i do my wife <laughs> sorry denise um <laughs> but we do have conversations about where we stand uh with covid every single day, how it impacts our teachers, our administrators, our students, our parents. And yes, uh, I've seen it go from uh, having a, a large fear factor uh, to a point where you take a look at the results, uh, the actual infection rates, and you look at what's really happening and you say, the only real deterrent, any kind of deterrent, are the vaccines, or the inoculations. A vaccine is supposed to prevent a disease. An inoculation will deter the impact of a disease. And I think that's what we have here with these shots. The COVID-19 shots deter the impact. So if you do catch it, there's a good chance you may not have to go to a hospital, you may not have to be in a ventilator, and you won't die from it. Um, Yeah, there will be breakthrough cases, just like the regular flu. The regular flu, you get shots, but you catch the flu. 
it only deters, hopefully, the impact of the flu. Like, these shots are deterring the impact of COVID. So I, re- I recommend that unless your doctor pr- prohibits you to go uh, or your minister prohibits you to get vaccinated or inoculated, that you take the opportunity, take advantage of the clinics that are being offered and get the shots. You got another minute. Either one of you can uh, either uh, thank somebody or uh, sure, criticize I, somebody. Yeah, say I, what a good guy I am. Well, you, that, well you're that goes a great without guy. saying you're right? all the time. Roger. Right? <laughs> all right. I want to thank the Elijah Project, uh, which is um, which is an organization that I, I believe they're out of East Providence. They they provide. Um, well, for the Woonsocket Education Department, at least, uh, about a month or so ago, they, they donated to us uh, PPEs. They donated uh, thousands of, of face masks. Um, they, they donated uh, sanitizer. They, they donated wipes uh, to us. And um, so I, I want to, again, thank them for, for their very generous donation to the Woonsocket Education Department. And they'll be back in town this coming Saturday. Uh uh, one of the churches was holding a Woonsocket Day of Prayer, and the Elijah Project, uh, Elijah Project, I think is a better pronunciation, uh, will be uh, handing out some food um, uh, things. I'm not sure what the food items are, but they're there, and apparently they've been there for you, too. And uh, we've got to congratulate uh, Councilwoman Valerie Gonzalez, because she has, she has the direct link and the connection with Elijah her and her husband, Bishop uh, Gonzalez. And I think uh, you have to tip your hat off to, to both of them for making uh, Elijah part of our city scene because they're really helping our community. They're willing to spend more time here in Socket, and my goodness, thank God for them. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining us. We're going to close with a commercial, and then uh, we'll uh, see you uh, tomorrow on the Upfront program. Medicare's annual enrollment period is almost here, October 15th to December 7th, when people can select or make changes to their Medicare coverage for the year ahead. The need for clear information on Medicare is great and growing as more than 10,000 Americans turn 65 each day. You should be aware of your options and what different Medicare plans can offer. We have the answers here at Oak Street Health in Woonsocket. You may be enrolling in Medicare for the first time. You may be looking to change your coverage during the Medicare annual enrollment period. You may be helping a loved one with their Medicare decisions. No matter what your situation, this is an opportunity to explore your options with Oak Street Health, located right here in Woonsocket on Diamond Hill Road. Call now at 420-7662. Talk with us and receive primary care right here in Woonsocket. The number again, 401-420-7662. And tomorrow we'll be sharing the microphone with uh, Mr. Uh, Christopher Boulay as we talk about the issues of the day. And you're welcome to uh, join us. And then on Friday, John Brian will be taking over the microphone as uh, we kind of spread the uh, intellectual property, <laughs> if that's what you want to call it, here on the Upfront program. Coming up next is Gary and Jeff and a recipe for a new day until uh, tomorrow. This has been WNRI's Upfront, presented weekday mornings at 8 a.m. Upfront is a regular public affairs presentation of News Talk 1380, WNRI Socket.